This episode of the Policy Viz podcast is brought to you by Jump Statistical Discovery Software from SAS. Jump, spelled J-M-P, is an easy-to-use tool that connects powerful analytics with interactive graphics. The drag-and-drop interface of Jump enables quick exploration of data to identify patterns, interactions, and outliers. Jump has a scripting language for reproducibility and interfacing with R. Click on this episode's sponsored link to receive a free info kit that includes an interview with DataViz experts Kaiser Fung and Alberto Cairo. In the interview, they discuss information gathering, analysis, and communicating results. Welcome back to the Policy Viz podcast. I'm your host, John Schwabish. On this week's episode, I'm very excited to welcome Hadley Wickham, creator of many fantastic R packages, currently chief data scientist at R Studio, or just Chief Scientist. Chief Scientist. Not even not even specific to data, just just science. Great. Hadley, uh, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Um, very excited now. Um, I think anyone who's worked in data visualization, data analytics, or just doing uh, worked with data knows about you and, and the work you've done with R, but uh, you eminently have a book coming out uh, from O'Reilly uh, Press, R for Data Science, that you're co-authoring with Garrett Grolemund, who unfortunately couldn't make it today. But um, uh, I want to dive in and talk about uh, the book and get your thoughts on it and what the process was like of writing a book about coding. Uh, but maybe mm-hmm. first, um, you can tell people a little about yourself, your background, and, and maybe some of the uh, R development you're, you're currently working on. Sure. So I, I guess I'm, like I self-identify still as a statistician. I have a PhD in statistics from uh, Iowa State. After I got, I've, after I got that, I, I was assistant professor of statistics at Rice University for a few years. And then recently, I've been full-time at R Studio as a chief scientist. So basically, what I'm interested in is kind of like all the stuff that you need to do in order to do statistics that's traditionally been outside the realm of what statisticians kind of studying study. So like the getting your data in R or whatever, getting into a useful form, transforming it, munging it, wrangling it, visualizing it, all that kind of stuff. So I'm interested in kind of the whole process of data analysis or data science from the very beginning to the to the very end. I think I'm most famous for ggplot2, but a lot of my more recent work's been on the kind of just making it easier to work with data so you can get it to the point where you can actually visualize it. Great. So what packages were you using prior to sort of getting really involved in R? What were the statistics packages and languages that you were primarily using? And, and where did you see that they didn't do all the things that you needed them to do? So to be honest, like R really was my first statistical. Ah. Oh, okay. Basically, because I, I did my undergraduate at the University of Auckland. That's the home of R. So even like Back when I was an undergrad, even the kind of the fairly low level courses at, at uh, <laughs> Auckland used, used R. So I also I learned a little bit of uh, SAS then as well, but it was kind of clear to me even then that, that R was the way to go. So it's really R is in your DNA from a young, from exactly. a young, young lad. So when you think about or when you talk to people who are using some of the other packages like SAS and Stata and SPSS, where do you find that they're talking about the the pressure points or the points where they can't do things that you think R helps them do better? Well, I mean, I think one thing that's not exactly a well, there's definitely a pressure point, and that's the cost of these things. Yeah, which, yeah, right, right. Um, you know, R is you know free and open source, and these these other tools are getting um, progressively more and more expensive. 
to me, like the power of R is kind of related to that, that open sourceness that like, I think when you're picking a, a programming environment or environment for doing statistics, what you really want to look for as much, as much as anything is like the community. Is there a community of people like you working in that environment and, and sharing their code? And because R is open source and it has this great package ecosystem, it makes it so easy for you to like kind of share your tools with other people and for you to use other people's tools. Right. And, and so I think that's why, you know, as, as what R is obviously like a really powerful statistical language. It's got great visualization, great modeling, but just the fact that you can also share all that kind of special purpose stuff with other people in your community is really, really powerful. Do you see a flip side to that? Are there, are there concerns about the quality of the packages or... Uh, and I know a lot of uh, federal government agencies here in, in DC are concerned about the about security behind it. Like, what's the what's the flip side for people? If you if you and you are sort of the you know an R evangelist, how do you address those concerns and and people who are have that frustration or, or those thoughts? Yeah, I think that's definitely a legitimate concern. But but to me, it kind of like the statistics in particular, like. There's so many ways to make mistakes unrelated to like <laughs> yeah. the implementation of the like if you if you if you have no idea what you're doing and you have no way to interpret the results and kind of say, hey, do these make sense or not, then you're in like a very, very dangerous position anyway. Like you can take something that, that has absolutely no bugs in it and still apply it inappropriately. So so to me, like I, I think you have to kind of think a little a little more broadly rather than sort of trusting, well, just because this tool is produced by a commercial company who says it's you know wonderful and great I, I think you really have to kind of think a little bit more broadly and so you say hey you know how can i make sure that when i'm doing a statistical analysis i am you know doing the right thing and it's doing what i expect it to do yeah i think a lot of that's tied but, up with reproducible research tools and and stuff like that so you right. can kind of audit exactly what you've done and then right. share it with other people right. and, and, and talk it over do you think it's it's dangerous for any statistics package to make it so easy to do statistical analysis where, you know, in Stata, for example, you just type regress Y on X and, you know, you're on your way. Is that is that dangerous that it lets anybody run regression that they don't really know what they're doing? Or is that a good thing to let people do it so easily? So basically, I, I think it's a good thing. I, I actually have a, I've sort of written a little paper on this called uh, Practicing Safe Stats. <laughs> with the kind of idea that, you know, traditionally, like statisticians have sort of preached the abstinence-based approach. You know, you should never do statistics unless you're in a committed long-term relationship with a statistician. <laughs> but, you know, the problem is you kind of see other people, you see your friends doing statistics and they're having a great time. And so you think, oh, well, I'll, I'll try it out. And you have a great time and you, nothing seems to go wrong. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, rather than trying to preach abstinence and trying to stop people doing it unless they're in, a, in the company of an expert, I, I, I generally think it's much better to think about, like, how can we how can we enable people not only to do this stuff, but then to critique what they come up with and not, you know, not, it's not just about really complicated statistical algorithms. It's also about giving people kind of simple tools to help them activate their innate skepticism mm -hmm. and their innate sense and, and really be able to critique what they, what they get out of the, the, the statistical toolkit. And do you think that extends to some of these other portions of the, of the pipeline of working with data when it comes to design for visualizations, when it comes to creating drop and drag interfaces for, for interactivity. I mean, do you see a, a place where it sh things are maybe too easy to do and it lets people who may not have the skill sets get in? Or is it all just good if we're getting, if we're making tools that are just as easy for people to use as possible, that's all good? 
I think it's all good, basically. I think you just have to accept that people are going to like screw up and make mistakes, but that's fine. Sometimes the only way to learn is to make a mistake, mm -hmm. and there's just too much data and too much need to analyze it to kind of say, well, you know, if you want to be able to do statistics, you better go away and do a, you know, a two years master's program. It just, it just cannot work. Mm -hmm. Like, we just have to enable people and give them the tools to, to be successful. And when you're building your packages, when you built ggplot and ggplot2, there are, I assume, and I've seen some of this, that you've built some things that you sort of let people do and don't let people do. I think uh, yeah. uh, dual vertical axes is one that I was reading about the other day. So, yeah. what, so how do you balance those decisions when, you are, when you're developing? You know, there are sort of some things that I think are just a terrifically bad idea and like dual y-axes are, are one of those. Um, now, interestingly, the next version of ggplot2 will have um, a specific type of double y-axis, and that's where one axis is a one-to-one -one transformation of the other. So you can still mm -hmm. have like one axis that's Celsius and the other that's Fahrenheit if you want. Um, but so there's, so there's things that I like absolutely think of are a bad idea and I'll never support. But there's also just like a whole lot of stuff that I'm kind of like, well, but, you know, that's fine. I just don't care enough about it to do it myself. So right. if you want to do it go ahead but i'm not gonna <laughs> bother um but i think generally like that 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 one of the things i do spend a fair amount of time thinking about is how can i kind of steer people down the right path without like locking them into that to the destination so that that, 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 that that to me like want the the correct thing to be easy to do but you're still free to do other things that you know maybe I don't think are correct, or maybe you're not correct all of the time, but might be the right thing to do for your case. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of gray in this in this field, right? Um, exactly. Right. And and again, sort of coming back to like SPSS and state, I think one of the the great powers of R is that because it's a programming language, you know, but the both the strength and the weakness is it doesn't lock you in into any preconceived analysis. You can do anything you can imagine. Sure. And the downside of that is, you know, when you open up R, ah, there's just this blinking cursor staring at you. There's no hints as to what you could, what you should do, but you can do whatever you can imagine, right? For better or for worse. And do you think that the ability of, of people who are using R to use this entire workflow from pulling in the data and cleaning it and processing it all the way to, you know, through some of these other packages like Slotify um, and creating presentations or creating interactive visualizations is that another one of the pieces of r that sort of sets it apart from from the sort of these the the standard or the classic statistical packages yeah absolutely i mean i have a great story from my uh, friend hillary parker when she worked at etsy that she was giving a, a presentation and sort of like five minutes into the presentation someone said oh hey uh we updated that database like last night so you were giving us like a presentation about data that is no longer accurate or mm -hmm. correct and so she just like quit out of it, pressed command shift K to like renit the whole document and then <laughs> went back to presenting. And that just like blew the mind yeah. of the, the people in the audience. And, and, you know, these are like software engineers who are like pretty seriously impressed by that, that, that whole kind of like reproducible workflow. Right, right. So I, I think that's just such a, such a powerful thing because the data is always changing. Even if you think the data is not changing, it always turns out that it is. <laughs> yeah, there's always something new that's going on. Exactly. Um, great. So I want to I want to talk a little bit about the book. Um, can you uh, maybe give us a, an overview of what you hope to do in the book and and uh, what you hope people uh, learn from it? 
So basically the goal of the book is if you have never used R before or if you've never done data science before, you should to read this book and get basically all of the tools you need to do to do good data science. Now that that aim might be, I'm not sure that the aim has completely succeeded. If you're like <laughs> absolutely new to R or absolutely new to data science, it's probably, it's, it's probably going to be tough just to learn that from a book. But, but that's very much the goal. So if you, and certainly if you know a little bit about R, if you know a little bit about data science, this should get you up and running as, as quickly as possible. And is this the structure of the book, does it follow a syllabus that you've used in classes or in workshops? I mean, how is that development process and what's sort of the philosophy that you and Garrett have behind learning to code? Yeah, so I think so. It, it's really steered by our experiences teaching this you know, very similar material at Rice University several years ago. And, and to me, like the most important thing with, with teaching anything really is to make sure like the motivation is kind of upfront and, and central to at least the early parts of, of the course. Because like, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to lie and tell you that like learning R is going to be this beautiful pain-free experience where you're just like smiling and laughing the whole time. It's like absolutely going to be periods where you're like so frustrated and you're banging your head against the desk. And like, so the goal of the book is to make sure we get to some like really cool stuff as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. And then that's why the, the book and, you know, anytime I teach data science, I always start with visualization just because it's like this, this neat immediate payoff. It lets you do something really easily that was really hard or impossible before. And that kind of gives you that motivation. It's like the, you sort of immediately see the light at the end of the tunnel. And later on, when you go through those dark, dark patches, you've got yeah. that motivation to, to keep pushing through. Right, right. What was the process like of writing a book like this? I mean, it is, it's a tome. Uh, what I've seen, it's, yeah. it's a tome, right? So what, what was the process, right, of sitting down with Garrett and sort of putting all this out that you've taught and is in your head, presumably, and just getting it on paper? What was, what was that process like? Yeah, so, I mean, one of the things that I am absolutely sold on about for writing books now is, is writing them in the open. So basically, at every point, you know, the, the book is all our markdown files on GitHub. And at every point, we were like, we have a script that basically every time we change one of those files, it automatically rebuilds the website. And so everything was in the open. And to me, like, that is just, like, so important. Because if you don't do that, if you're just, like, sitting you know, in your, in your little room, like beavering away on the book for months and it's just so hard to keep up motivation. Mm -hmm. And so I love kind of like working in the public because people, you know, read it. And even if they read it and say, wow, this is crap, it's still like they read it and you're like, wow, okay, right. I should make it better. So, and so just that kind of like constant stream of feedback is, is so valuable. So, so what was the feedback like? How, how was the interaction with, with people who were using it and testing it out? Like overall, very positive. Um, you know, a, a lot of the interaction happened via Twitter. The other thing that's really neat about the, the process for the book is that you can actually, if you're reading it online, there's an edit button on each page. And you can click on that button and that will allow you to edit the text of the book and then that submits a pull request to mm. GitHub, which I can then remove, then review and, um, you know, incorporate into the book. So it's really grown and, and you know, Wickham at all. The, exactly. So I think... <laughs> I don't know how many contributors we have in total. I should take a quick look. Yeah, I mean, there's I, there's definitely tens, like maybe maybe a hundred contributors all wow. up. So you know, a lot of people incorporated. You know, some people just kind of do drive-by typo fixes. Mm -hmm. um, some people have like clearly, really systematically read through the whole book and pointed out uh, lots of problems. The R community has just been fantastic in terms of like helping me improve the book. Yeah, and in fact, there are even things where like there was a 
I guess I'd been sort of in denial of the, the power of factus for a long time, <laughs> thinking that you could do anything with, with strings. And my uh, friend Jenny Bryan kind of finally persuaded me that that was a, <laughs> that was, there, was, there were just things you just could not do with strings. In fact, were the right solutions right, to it. Right. And, and that led, led to the creation of the four cats package, which is a package for categorical variables. And it's also an, an anagram of factors that makes the factors much easier. And so that, you know, that ended up being a chapter in the book. Right, right. So was the interaction with contributors, did that serve as the technical review and the quality control process? Or did you, would that have its own separate track at the very end? Yeah, so O'Reilly also did sort of a technical review track, which turned out to be a lot of people who are already reading the book. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, that was useful, but, and I think it's sort of useful to have a few people who's kind of, like, feel compelled to read the whole book mm -hmm. and give feedback. But yeah. um, overall, I think that was, I don't know, I'd say the community feedback throughout the writing process was at least as as, as useful as the, the final formal review. Right. Um how does this book fill a, an existing gap in the book landscape for, for books that are, that are teaching R, how to code in R? I think it's fairly unusual in that it's like trying to, like, firstly, it's explicitly about data science. It's not about, you know, statistics. It's not about forestry statistics or fishery statistics or like mm -hmm. any of these many kind of specialized subdomains. This is sort of broadly about like the common 80% of tools that everyone is you who is using R but to do data analysis will use regardless of what domain they're using it for. Mm -hmm. So I think that's unusual. The other thing is that this book really kind of brought together, at least in, in my mind, was this sort of idea of the tidyverse, which is a, a network of packages, an ecosystem of packages that are all designed to work together, that kind of share common underlying philosophies. So that, like once you've learned one, you've got a head up, heads up on learning the others because they share so many idioms. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk a little bit about the Tidyverse package and some of the other R development you're working on? Yeah, so the, the Tidyverse is this, this sort of idea of this ecosystem of packages that all work really well together. And the thing that has kind of enabled me to work on that is, is basically the name Tidyverse. Because for a long time, I think the, the best name for that collection of packages was the, the Hadleyverse, which is a, a term I just absolutely <laughs> cannot stand because it just... Like, I think it's okay for other people to use it, but for me to use it, it right. sounds so Didn't feel good, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, and then, then, like, it's sort of amazingly, we went through, like, it sort of brainstormed, like, 20 names before we figured out, like, tie, and Tidyverse just seems so so obvious mm. in, in retrospect. But so having a name has really helped me think about, like, well, not just these individual packages, but how do they fit together? And so, so one kind of immediate outcome of that is the creation of this Tidyverse package which allows you to do two things. So first of all, when you install the Tidyverse package, it, has, it basically installs every single package in the Tidyverse. So you only need to, to run install.package's Tidyverse to get everything that, you, that you'll need in most cases. Mm -hmm. And then when you load the Tidyverse package, when you do library Tidyverse, it kind of loads the, the, the packages that I consider to be the core part of the Tidyverse. So ggplot2, dplyr, uh, tidyr, per and something else I'm probably forgetting. But but basically, so now instead of having to litter every script with the same packages, you can just use use these. Uh, I'm also hopeful it will kind of help people like learn about packages they didn't know about. I see a lot of people still kind of using Reshape or Reshape 2, which are now uh, pretty ancient. Mm. 
And, and, and just generally, like thinking about the tidyverse, thinking about the, the packages, how can you make it easy for people to discover them, to learn them, to use them, to, to find about new stuff. So I'm also working a lot on package websites. I've got, uh, it's, it's very, very primitive currently, but you can go to tidyverse.org and see a very, uh, very simple HTML page, which just lists the, 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 the tidyverse websites that are up and running so far. And then I've also been working on this package called Package Down, which is designed to make it as easy as possible to make a, a nice website from a from a package. So mm. I'm putting a lot of time in the, the coming months about making sure all of these all of these packages in the tidyverse have a good home on the web and you know a good place to start if you want to learn them. Yeah, so it sounds like what you're sort of creating is a is a pipeline that takes it all the way from getting some data all the way, not just to analyzing it and visualizing it and getting those visualizations out, but actually being able to communicate them on a website or through you know, a presentation. Exactly. So the, the thing that, the, the bit that doesn't quite fit in the tidyverse, but is absolutely part of the important part of the data science process is that final communication step, mm-hmm. whether it's you know, writing an R markdown report or presentation or, or whatever, or creating an interactive shiny app. Those, those kind of don't quite fall in the tidyverse because you sort of interact with them in, in somewhat different ways, but, but absolutely incredibly important part of that, the data science process. Right. Great. Hadley, thanks for coming on the show. This has been really interesting, and I'm sure people are excited for the book uh, R for Data Science, which is coming out very soon from O'Reilly, uh, Hadley Wickham, and Garrett Groleman. Hadley, again, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. And thanks to everyone for tuning in this week. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. So until next time, this has been the Policy of His podcast. Thanks again for listening. This episode of the Policy Viz podcast is brought to you by Jump Statistical Discovery Software from SAS. Jump, spelled J-M-P, is an easy-to-use tool that connects powerful analytics with interactive graphics. The drag-and-drop interface of Jump enables quick exploration of data to identify patterns, interactions, and outliers. Jump has a scripting language for reproducibility and interfacing with R. Click on this episode's sponsored link to receive a free info kit that includes an interview with DataViz experts Kaiser Fung and Alberto Cairo. In the interview, they discuss information gathering, analysis, and communicating results.